from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. The D. James Kennedy Topical Study Bible brings Dr. Kennedy's unparalleled commentary alongside the text of Scripture to make clear the foundational doctrines of the faith. Bound in genuine leather, this powerful tool for study and instruction includes over 700 notes and articles from Dr. Kennedy to answer timely questions regarding what God's Word has to say about major issues like political engagement, sexuality, and even socialism. The D. James Kennedy Topical Study Bible is important for all of us who are concerned not only about scriptural truth, but applying that biblical truth to everyday life. Contact us today to receive your D. James Kennedy Topical Study Bible. Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. Everywhere we look today, it seems that chaos surrounds us. Our society is in the midst of constant, tumultuous political battles. Our rights of religious freedom and of freedom of speech are dwindling. Countless amounts of innocent blood is being shed on the abomination of abortion. And our cultural institutions, such as marriage and the family, are being eroded. Our nation seems to be hell-bent on continuing to turn its face away from God. What can we do when we as Christians seem to be pinned in a corner? As we see in the Bible... God punishes those who turn their face from him. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah are prime examples of God's wrath unleashed on those who turn away from him. America has turned away from God, but it was not always that way. We are at a crucial time in America where we need to remember our nation's Christian heritage now more than ever. George Washington, the father of our country, said in his first inaugural address that the propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself has ordained. If we are wise, we will return back to those biblical principles that our founders so closely followed. Here now is Dr. D. James Kennedy with his message, Returning to Our Roots. Will you turn now with me to the 33rd Psalm? We'll begin our reading with the 8th verse. May we hear the infallible word of the living God. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. 
and the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. And may God speak today through this portion of his word to our hearts and to our lives. And may his name ever be praised. Amen. A few months ago, you will recall that the governor of Mississippi, in a meeting of the governors of this country, wherein over several days Christians had been knocked by a number of different speakers, the governor of Mississippi said in rebuking his fellow governors that they should remember that after all, this was a Christian nation. Well, you will recall the furor. First, a rabbi protested that he was uh, greatly aggrieved at such a statement. And then the people for the American way, or whatever they suppose that might be, rose up again and uh, objected strenuously. But the B'nai B'rith joined the chorus, and unfortunately, soon the governor recanted and apologized for the statement. But do we apologize for the truth? It's interesting, in about 1947, President Harry Truman said, this is a Christian nation, and there wasn't the slightest flutter in our nation. Shortly before that, during the Second World War, President Franklin Roosevelt said in describing the United States as the lasting concord between men and nations founded on the principles of Christianity. Again, not the least voice was raised in objection. In 1931, the Supreme Court said that this was a Christian nation. Something obviously has happened since 1947 that has changed things drastically in America. And today, it becomes exceedingly offensive for anyone to mention that this is a Christian nation. Charles Hodge said that the statement that this is a Christian nation is not so much the expression of an opinion, but simply the statement of historic fact. Fact. In 1776, the population of the United States consisted of 98% of the people who professed to be Protestant Christians. 1.8% declared themselves to be Roman Catholic Christians. 0.2 or two-tenths of 1% said they were Jewish. Now that means that in 1776, when the Declaration of Independence was signed, 99 0.8, 99.8% of the American people 
professed themselves and declared themselves to be Christians. Not the expression of an opinion, but the statement of a fact that this indeed was a Christian nation and was founded as such. And so it has been and uh, was from the beginning. And I would venture to say that a majority of people in this country believe that we have a secular government. But what is a secular government? What is a secularist? Well, according to Webster's Unabridged Dictionary, a secularist is, quote, one who rejects every form of religious faith and worship. Isn't that interesting? One who rejects every form of religious faith and worship and undertakes to live accordingly. Also, one who believes that education and other civil matters should be without the religious element. Now, is that the kind of government that was formed in this country? Well, let's go back to the very first day when George Washington took the oath of office with his hand on a Bible. What was his first act after that? He bent over and kissed the Bible. Oh, my dear Mr. Washington, that is not a proper thing for a secular government to do. The second thing he did was to lead the entire Senate and House of Representatives to the Episcopal Church for a two-hour service of worship, enough to make any secularist turn over in his grave. And if that's not enough, the same Congress, the first Congress that gave us the First Amendment to the Constitution, elected chaplains and appointed salaries for them to be paid by the government for the Senate and the House and for all of the branches of the armed forces. And if that was not enough, they then passed the Northwest Ordinance. Now, I don't know how many people are familiar with that, but you ought to be. That was the ordinance that opened up all the Northwest ter Territories. Now, they weren't found out in Washington and Oregon today, but what we would call the uh, central United States in our day. But that's one of the four principal documents upon which our government was founded, according to the U.S. government office. They are the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederacy, the Constitution, and the Northwest Ordinance, because they also passed the law that no state subsequently coming into the Union could have in its state constitution any language hostile to that found in the Northwest Ordinance. So that determined what would happen in every state constitution after that. And in there it says this, religion, morality, and knowledge being essential to the happiness of mankind and to good government, schools should be established in order that we might have religion, morality, and knowledge. Well, we got rid of religion with the Bible and prayer, and we got rid of morality with the Ten Commandments, and we have subsequently almost gotten rid of knowledge as well. No, they did not give us a secular nation. They did not believe that education and other civil matters should be conducted without the religious uh, element. They believed it was essential to the well-being of this country. Well, if we have lost something, 
and we obviously have, we need to ask ourselves a question, where did we lose it? And to find it, we need to go back exactly to where we lost it. And to do that, we would have to go back to 1947, the same time that Harry Truman said, this is a Christian nation. At that time, the Supreme Court was considering what has come to be known as the Everson decision. And an ACLU lawyer by the name of Leo Pfeffer, whose presentation had been financed and researched by the ACLU, presented a decision to Justice Hugo Black. And in that decision, for the first time in the history of American jurisprudence, it included the phrase, the wall of separation between church and state, and also the phrase that this was a secular nation. Never before in part of American jurisprudence. But that's where the decision was made, and the ACLU has used that Everson decision of 1947 in one subsequent decision after another, getting rid of all of these other things, all on the basis that there is a wall of separation between church and state. And I trust that there's no one here so benighted that they don't know where that phrase really came from instead of the American Constitution, which it's not in. It came, of course, from a private letter by Thomas Jefferson in 1802 to the Danbury Baptists in Connecticut. And he said that there had been established a wall of separation between church and state. That was not the case. That was not part of anything governmental. It was a private letter. And until Everson, it was never part of our jurisprudence. You see, the problem with a wall is that it prevents people on either side equally. The first ten amendments were all given for the one single purpose, and that is restraining the power of this newly created Leviathan. There were those, like George Washington, Patrick Henry, and others, who would not sign the Constitution without the guarantee that there would be a Bill of Rights to protect the people from the government. Washington said government is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. So all ten of those amendments were given to protect you from the government, this newly created Leviathan. Have you noticed in the last several decades, the only time you ever hear anything about separation of church and state is when they're talking about what churches can't do, what ministers can't do, what Christians can't do, what religious people can't do. They've completely turned it all the way around backward. So instead of protecting the people from the government, now it's protecting the government from any religious people at all a total reversal of the meaning of it. Well, is there any hope for a situation like this? If what I said is what I said simply the opinion of some minister? Well, let me read you a quote from William Rehnquist, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. He said, this, there is simply no historical foundation for the proposition that the framers intended to build the
the wall of separation. No historical foundation for that at all. It does not exist in American jurisprudence. Uh, he goes on to say, the wall of separation between church and state is a metaphor based on bad history, a metaphor which has proved useless as a guide to judging. It should frankly and explicitly be abandoned. By the way, Byron White said that he completely agreed with Justice Rehnquist's uh, exposition of the First Amendment, and therefore they should relook at all of the cases dealing with this matter of separation, church and state, and deal with them all over again in the light of what was intended. What was intended? Well, the first commentary ever written on the Constitution of the United States was written by another Supreme Court justice in about 1830-35, and that was Justice Joseph Story. Story was appointed to the Supreme Court by Madison, who is considered to be the chief architect of the United States Constitution. And he wrote this very impressive and authoritative commentary on what is meant by the Constitution. And talking about the First Amendment, he says this, Joseph Story says this, that the general, if not universal, sentiment in America was that Christianity ought to receive encouragement from the state so far as was not incompatible with the private rights of conscience and the freedom of religious worship. An attempt to level all religions and to make it a matter of state policy to hold all in utter indifference would have created universal disapprobation, if not universal indignation. To do anything else today would cause that, I'm afraid. The real object, he says, of the First Amendment was not to countenance, much less advance, Mohammedanism or Judaism or infidelity by prostrating Christianity, but to exclude all rivalry among Christian sects and prevent any national ecclesiastical establishment. That was what the Founding Fathers created for us in the First Amendment, and that is what we have lost. Those first pilgrims that set foot upon this barren and inhospitable land said in the Mayflower Compact, the birth certificate of America, why they came. They came for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. Will you today make a commitment of yourself to commit your life to that goal for which the pilgrims were willing to give up everything and sail across that dangerous ocean to land upon this inhospitable shore so many of them gave their lives to, the, to advance the Christian cause and something that we all too often have been apathetic about. My friends, America is in dire trouble today. And when a nation sets its face in opposition to the Almighty, it is asking to feel the wrath of God. Blessed is that nation whose God is the Lord, and the nation that forgets God shall be turned into hell. And judgment 
will begin at the house of God. What have you done to advance the cause for which this nation was founded and for which the pilgrims landed on these shores? The glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. In our generation, that marvelous patrimony is falling through our fingers like sifting sands. And your children or grandchildren are going to come to live in a godless land. Will you commit yourself anew? May we pray. Father, by your Holy Spirit, May hundreds and hundreds of people, Lord, may every person here say unto you, O God, I want to live for your glory. For you who look down upon the sons of man, you who examine their deeds and see their lives, I want to determine to live a godly life. Lord Jesus, you have said that we are your friends if we do whatsoever you have commanded us. May we do that, O God. And Lord, may every person here determine that he is going to be, if he has not been before, a fruitful witness for Jesus Christ. That he is going to witness, and if he doesn't know how, he's going to learn to witness for Christ. To advance the cause of Christianity on this continent and around the world to the glory of our God. We ask it. In the name of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Part of living for Christ involves sharing our faith with others who don't know him. Will you share your testimony with someone this week? It's part of our service in God's army, and it can help to turn our nation around. Perhaps you're watching this program, and you don't know Jesus Christ and the abundant life that he has come to offer. Well, you can. Jesus Christ says, I have come to give life to the full. Who wouldn't want that? And even more amazing is that God offers us this full life as a free gift. We can't earn it, and we certainly don't deserve it because of our sin. And make no mistake, we are all sinners in need of a Savior. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ willingly went to the cross to suffer and die in our place. And three days later, he rose from the dead. Through his death, he purchased a place for us in heaven, which he offers as a free gift. And we receive this gift by faith, which simply means we transfer our trust from our own efforts to get to heaven to what Jesus did on the cross. If this makes sense to you and you want to know the joy of knowing Christ, then pray this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus Christ, I know that I have sinned in my thoughts, words, and actions. I now realize that I could never be good enough to earn or deserve the free gift of eternal life. Thank you for paying for my sins and for offering me the gift of eternal life. Forgive me, cleanse me, and make me brand new. In your name I pray, amen. Did you pray that prayer? Well, if you did, 
we'd like to send you a copy of Beginning Again, the book written by Dr. Kennedy for new believers. In these pages, you'll find some answers to the questions you might have to gain insight into the Christian life. To receive your copy, just write to the address on your screen or call our toll-free number and be sure to ask for Beginning Again. And may God richly bless you. I firmly believe that the future of America depends on Christians going out to vote and to vote biblical values. But far too often today, Christians are confused about what biblical values even are. Our current cultural and political issues are so complex, and it can be hard to sort through all of the Bible's teaching on a particular subject. The work of this ministry is to stand for truth and defend your freedom. We work to bring biblical teaching to bear on the vital issues of our day, like the sanctity of human life, religious freedom, the threat of social Marxism, and more. Who else will proclaim biblical truth on these issues with a nationwide megaphone? Who else broadcasts the timeless and timely biblical messages of Dr. D. James Kennedy? This viewer-supported ministry is making an impact, but we can only do it with your help. Please consider giving a generous donation today to help us proclaim the gospel and apply the Word of God to our culture via our television broadcasts. As you might imagine, it is expensive to produce and air these programs. But America cannot be without this clarion call. So please help. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or you can call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org. As our thanks for your generous donation, we will send you perhaps the most important resource in the history of this ministry. It's the D. James Kennedy Topical Study Bible, which pulls together Dr. Kennedy's biblical teaching on everything from the dangers of socialism to the death penalty. Featuring hundreds of articles, the D. James Kennedy Topical Study Bible brings the Word of God to bear on the most pressing issues facing each of us and our nation. And we want you to have a copy of this incredible resource. We will send it to you as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Some of you may be able to give $50 Others can give $75 or $100 or more. Please make your most generous donation and let us thank you by sending you Dr. Kennedy's magnum opus, the D. James Kennedy Topical Study Bible. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free. 888-332-3069 or you can go online to djkm.org 
I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.